Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Today is Saturday, March 21st, 2020. On this day in 1937, police in Ponce, Puerto Rico, opened fire on a peaceful nationalist parade. The resulting bloodshed killed at least 19 people and wounded around 200 more. Upon investigation, the entire massacre had been ordered by none other than Blanton Winship, the U.S. appointed governor of Puerto Rico. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the Ponce Massacre in Puerto Rico. Let's go back to the quiet city of Ponce in the early morning hours of March 21st, 1937. Two members of Puerto Rico's Nationalist Party ascended the staircase leading to the offices of José Tormos Diego, mayor of Ponce. They'd waited a week for Diego to return from vacation so they could ask him a simple favor. They wanted a parade permit. Planned for later that day, it was intended to be a peaceful march commemorating the abolishment of slavery in Puerto Rico an event that had happened nearly 70 years ago under Spain's colonial rule. But the celebration had a double entendre. By celebrating the anniversary of freedom for Puerto Rican slaves, the nationalists would be silently gesturing to the current injustices in their country. In particular, the imprisonment of their nationalist leader, Pedro Albizu Campos, at the hands of Puerto Rico's new colonizers, the United States. Mayor Diego welcomed the two men into his office and willingly signed the permit. Both he and his visitors knew that Puerto Rican law allowed parades and other public demonstrations to take place without a permit. The fact that they were even requesting one was a show of courtesy on the part of the Nationalist Party. It was their way of saying they didn't want to cause any trouble. Little did they know, problems were already brewing. Around noon, two police officials visited Mayor Diego. One of them was the newly appointed Puerto Rican chief of police, Colonel Enrique de Orbeta. Orbeta scolded the mayor for giving the permit to the nationalists. He insisted that the parade was military in character. Orbeta also claimed that some of the attendees would be armed, but Mayor Diego knew that this was false. The nationalists had a history of respectful protesting. Besides, this was only a parade, a simple march to symbolize the importance of emancipation. Still, Orbeta maintained his cause. He told Diego that he would personally hold him responsible if any blood was shed. The mayor felt backed into a corner, 
and he reluctantly signed a document canceling the nationalists' permit. But it was too late. The parade was about to begin. At around 2 p.m., a small crowd gathered in central Ponce at the intersection of Aurora and Marina, where the Nationalist Council headquarters were situated. Some of them planned to participate in the parade, while others were merely spectators. At the very front of the parade stood Cadet Captain Tomas Lopez de Victoria. Behind him was a small group of young Nationalist cadets, dressed in crisp white trousers with black shirts and caps. Their sleeve bore the Nationalist emblem, a Calatrava cross, symbolic of chivalry. In the middle of the procession stood the nurses' corps of young women in white dresses, with a small marching band bringing up the rear of the procession. The sides of the parade were hemmed in by police officers from Ponce, as well as other towns across the island. They looked like extra reinforcements, meant to keep the march from getting out of hand. But in reality, they had orders to keep it from happening in the first place, no matter the cost. The band struck up what is now Puerto Rico's national anthem as Cadet Captain Lopez de Victoria gave the signal to march. Just then, a police officer strode forward. He warned Lopez de Victoria not to take another step further. But before the cadet captain could respond, a single gunshot pierced the air. Chaos ensued. From all sides, the police opened fire. The nationalists weren't armed, and both the parade and its onlookers were trapped by the surrounding officers. When the smoke had settled, at least 19 people lay dead or dying. Among these casualties were 14 nationalists, two police officers, and a school-age girl. Around 200 others were wounded. Not long after, Colonel Orbeta appeared on the scene. He and his officers arrested everyone in the vicinity, including several wounded persons who had taken shelter in the Nationalist Council. The peaceful march had ended before it even began. It was the largest massacre in Puerto Rican history. Coming up, the real perpetrator behind the Ponce Massacre. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now back to the story. On March 21, 1937, a peaceful parade in Ponce, Puerto Rico, turned into one of the bloodiest massacres the country had ever seen. Police opened fire on the unarmed crowd, killing 19 people and wounding around 200 others. The man in charge of organizing the police forces had been Puerto Rico's chief of police, Colonel Orbeta. But everyone knew this wasn't ultimately Orbeta's doing. He was acting on orders from the top of Puerto Rico's U.S.-controlled government. The real man responsible 
was Governor Blanton Winship. Blanton Winship was an austere, mustached man and a distinguished major general in the U.S. Army. He had served in the judicial branch of the military before President Franklin D. Roosevelt appointed him governor of the U.S. territory of Puerto Rico in 1934. As overseer, Winship was determined to keep a tight rein on the island colony, and this meant undermining Puerto Rico's nationalist party. They were viewed as the greatest potential threat to America's sovereignty, and Winship made it his job to suppress them. With this in mind, Winship steadily increased police militarization across the island, leading to multiple deaths of nationalist members. Then, in 1936, he rounded up a number of nationalist members, including their party leader, Pedro Albizu Campos. Campos and his comrades were promptly charged with sedition to overthrow the U.S. government. But Winship wasn't through. He declared his disapproval of any outward displays of nationalism, including public demonstrations and funeral speeches. And in 1937, when word of the March 21st parade landed on his desk, he was determined to stop it by any means necessary. The event was announced in the newspaper on March 19th, just two days before it would take place. That same day, Colonel Orbeta visited Ponce. He was acting in service of Governor Winship, and he gave official orders to the local police to stop the march. After leaving Ponce, Orbeta set about organizing a police force for the event, just in case it did take place. He ordered various skilled marksmen from towns across Puerto Rico to convene in Ponce on the morning of the parade. These forces, together with the Ponce police, had firm instructions to stop the march. In keeping with their mandate, they fired on the crowd, though it remains unclear whether this was a direct order or simply an implicit result. Either way, the massacre sent shockwaves through Puerto Rico, but Winship's administration was swift to cover their bloody tracks. The next morning, U.S. papers disseminated news that the nationalists had been the ones to open fire at their own parade. Alongside the story was a staged photo of Colonel Orbeta and two other armed officers. They were pointing at a rooftop as though nationalist snipers were hiding out, ready to shoot. Governor Winship oversaw the cleanup himself. He instituted a grand jury to investigate the so-called shootout, but the prosecutor on the case soon resigned. He claimed that Winship was meddling and would not allow for a fair outcome. Meanwhile, the American Civil Liberties Union conducted their own inquisition. They examined evidence, including a photo from a Puerto Rican journalist. It clearly showed policemen with smoking guns amidst a fleeing crowd. It didn't take long for the ACLU to condemn the Ponce massacre as police violence, but bureaucracy was already on Governor Winship's side. Prior to the Ponce massacre, Winship had petitioned for the repeal of a law allowing public officials to be indicted. The law was revoked in the days following the Ponce massacre, 
just in time for Winship to walk away unscathed. But his reputation had been tarnished. U.S. Congressman Vito Marcantonio filed charges against Governor Winship for the Ponce Massacre, which resulted in his dismissal by President Roosevelt in 1939. Winship was still able to continue his career, becoming a successful military commander in World War II. He and the other perpetrators were never brought to trial for the massacre. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. If you're interested in more stories like this one, check out our podcast, Political Scandals. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Andy Waits, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Aaron Larson, and Joel Stein. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Ali Wicker, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime.